not quite dead. A gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies. And sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. I, I, I've not hated a movie like this in a really long time. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I hated a movie this much. I I feel bad saying that, but I really didn't like it. There was so much love put into the craft of this movie. (laughs) Really? There really was. I, I wrote down that I thought specifically the sound editing I thought was phenomenal. I thought it was great. The, um, Mm -hmm. You know, hearing them walk through the dirt or the wind, really subtle sounds they they really honed in on and it just made it feel very like... It's very environmental and like, yes. I, I love that it's, I love the cinematography. It's shot in the like Palm Springs, Indio, Coachella Valley area. So it's like very Southern California desert, which I love and like think is great. Um, the music's pretty... Um, interesting. The sound editing is great, but everything else about this movie is so aggressively difficult to like enjoy. It's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> I yeah. feel I feel a little bad because um, when we were planning this season, we kind of tossed ideas back and forth in terms of you know what indie movies did we want to cover because there are so many, and I th- threw out there this movie Rubber. I watched it when I was in college because I saw a trailer for it with my friends and I was like, that looks stupid and weird and like an (laughs) art house movie. And I'm all about weird art house movies. And that's, that's kind of exactly what you get in this movie. Yeah. Just like a weird kind of bad art house movie. Yeah. So for everyone listening, if you haven't figured out by now, which I don't know how you would have, because this movie is so bizarre, we're talking about the movie Rubber. It's an indie horror comedy, and it's very weird. Yeah, it was directed by Quentin Dupuis. One of my favorite facts about this movie, the budget was 800000 Oh, wow. And the box office was 680000 <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I did not want to look up anything about this movie. I wanted to go into it totally blind. I've never seen it before. And all I knew was that it was about a tire. And I had high expectations that were not met. Oh, you should have had no expectations for this movie. I know. It is. An, it, so I was thinking about it a lot. And I was like, how would I classify this movie? And I was like, okay, it's part of the inanimate object comes to life horror movie which is like a thing like Chucky Mm -hmm. is like technically like you know Mm -hmm. a doll comes to life the movie Christine with the car coming to life there's so many of these movies and so this one is just so absurd because it's about this rubber tire in the desert that comes to life and with telekinetic although they make a big deal about like clarifying that it is psychokinetic is the correct terminology um it, it, it comes to life and it just goes on a killing spree. I enjoyed it 
exploring its powers in the beginning. It crushes a plastic bottle, no problem. It crushes a scorpion, no problem. And then it gets to this glass bottle and it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) It explodes this bottle with its quote unquote mind. I know it doesn't make any sense. If you haven't seen this movie before, it, it didn't make any sense to me either. This movie has so much. So if you were like, oh, the plot of this movie is about a tire that comes to life and falls in love with a girl. Is and that, that what was happening? I think it was. I think it was. All right. Like, the, the tire was like weirdly horny for the girl. Like it like watched her when she was in the shower. It did. And then like she comes back to her motel room and the tire is like in her shower, taking a shower. I was like, I kept on like swapping it in my head with like what if this was a dude like if this tire was just a dude like, and they refer to it as a dude yeah um they don't say this in the <laughs> in the movie but on wikipedia the tire's name is robert it is yes it's in the credits in the i oh, stayed in the for credit. the end credits yeah okay, it's in the credits but they don't say it but i was like oh they named the tire so you're just like okay it's kind of this goofy movie about this like tire coming to life and then you know killing some people which i think could be very cool i think that part is fine like i i enjoy that piece of it but then there's this like secondary layer to the movie which is so absurdly meta that also doesn't add anything to the movie and makes the movie like appreciably worse. It just makes it so irritating to sit through. I have a real beef with the introduction to this movie. The movie it, it the movie itself claims to be an homage to the no reason of all great films because they all contain an important element of no reason. And this is the list we get and I have a counter to every item on this list, Kate. I, uh-huh. I don't understand yep. where the no reason comes from. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first is E.T. with a brown alien. <laughs> the guy <laughs> says there's no reason for a brown alien. <laughs> okay. <laughs> love stories. Why do people fall in love? Mm-hmm. JFK, the movie JFK. Why was the president assassinated by a stranger? Um, Because that's what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean there's no reason? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why doesn't it show them using the bathroom or hand washing? Like, because that'd be so boring. Why would you show that in a movie? I love the beginning of this movie. I, I love it so much. I, I actually, like, it's my favorite part of the movie. Is oh, my gosh. Because it's so funny. It's so funny. Because the last thing that he lists off is... <laughs> Why does that guy and the pianist have to hide and live like a bum? A bum. When he Among plays the Nazis. When he plays the piano so beautifully. And I was what like, a bum. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is like a Tim Robinson sketch. And I and I wish the rest of the movie were this funny because like they play it totally straight, but he's just like, you know, why did this guy have to hide and live like a bum? And it's like, because he's Jewish and he lives in Nazi Germany. And I think that I really liked it because I was like, I feel like the film is making fun of people who are really nihilistic. I, my interpretation, and this is me being super generous, is that it's like, it's so absurd and so satirical that it's like, oh yeah, people who are nihilists who are like, oh, nothing has meaning. There's no purpose to life, et cetera. They just like totally strip any 
context or history or like society out of like their interpretations of things. I don't know. It just feels so silly. And I just like, I find it really funny. And then I really wish the rest of the movie were this funny and the rest of the movie is not this funny. The way I interpreted this was that the audience demands too much of movies. Like the audience wants a reason for everything in the movie. And sometimes things just happen. Um, and I felt like this was sort of reinforced at the end with the guy in the wheelchair who was like, he, he, again, this movie is very meta. There's a character in the movie who is watching the movie who yeah. goes up to the characters in the movie and asks them, Hey, why aren't you making this more exciting? And, and why aren't you blowing up the tire and, and taking it out real fast? You know, he's critiquing their approach to dealing with the tire. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of thinking maybe this is, maybe them uh, poking fun at, at audiences because we all kind of do that. Sometimes we're all like armchair coaches, you know, when we watch movies or sports, things like that. But I, I was still very irritated with this intro <laughs> because as he was saying it, I was like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> everything I felt could be countered that he said. That's why I find it so such a struggle because I wrote down the question, is this film actually about filmmaker versus audience? Because it's so yeah. combative. It's so like, oh, you as an audience want to see this exciting chase scene? Too bad. We're going to have someone describe it to you while they're watching it through binoculars. <laughs> and like that happens so much in this movie. And I was like, so did the director, Quentin Depew, did he just like want to make a movie that was purposefully difficult to watch because it is like it is difficult because you're like this is boring and the audience members in the movie are like this is boring when is something going to happen and it's like yes I'm right there with you <laughs> yeah I I did feel semi-connected to the this well they're called spectators in this movie um because they had you know they're kind of like channeling your inner monologue I guess a little bit of, you know, different, they all have different perspectives, but um, yeah, they're, they're all very vocal about their feelings about what's going on. I, I love the scene actually, where the girl, okay. The girl goes into her hotel room a, and doesn't close her door. Like who does that? <laughs> all right, moving on. They're all looking at in her room through binoculars, checking her out and everyone's commenting on her ass and her tits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess we all do that when we watch these things. Yeah. It felt like, I don't know, like the messaging was so like confusing in this movie because I was like, if your point is that audiences um, feel too entitled to how movies should be, then why is your film, why are your filmmaker characters, which is the sheriff guy and then that weird guy with the glasses, I didn't Who calls bother. him master, right? Who calls him master. Yeah. Very I was like, weird. why are these guys um, totally hapless also? Like, why are these guys also totally worthless if they're supposed to be our filmmaker stand-ins? I was like, I feel like this movie is not actually like picking a side here. It felt like nobody was in control of what was happening. <laughs> and and this tire was just running the show. Except for the tire. Yeah, the tire was the only one all along. I like this movie as an example of indie movies because mm -hmm. 
Um, there's so much about it that doesn't happen in mainstream movies, like having, you know, audience members slash spectators, like as a part of the movie who are being talked to like they are audience members, um, getting super meta, some of the like, it's very like kind of stylistic. It's just something that like you would never see in like a, you know, in a large production house distributed movie. No. It doesn't make it good. Like, I feel like there are other movies that are independent movies that do this in a, in a good way. This movie is so divisive, though. Like, I remember even when it came out, there were people who were like, oh, this movie is, like, incredible. Because they, like, did the film circuit and stuff. And <laughs> they were course. like, oh, the commentary. It's amazing. And then there were so many people that were like, no, this is just a bad movie. Like, it's okay if it's just a bad movie. I know there's a part of me that feels like I am a simple-minded fellow for not understanding what's going on or for questioning what's going on, but I don't care. I didn't like it. I didn't fucking like it. And that's, and that's all, all right. I have to say. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's sometimes what happens. That's all right. Sometimes, sometimes someone kills a turkey and oh serves it to their audience and it turns out to be poison. Maybe this movie is the poison the turkey. turkey. Yeah, oh. this, yeah, maybe this Thank movie you, is the Kate. poison turkey. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. D did you just come up with that right now? I did actually, yeah. That's perfect. Because <laughs> I as you were saying it, I was like, oh, I see. That's the turkey. Because I I had written that down. What is the deal with that turkey? <laughs> Why? I mean, maybe it's that the filmmakers are like, okay, if you're going to be so critical, then we are going to serve you what you're asking for. And they're just going to poison us with a weird, shitty movie. I guess. Yeah. And then at some point, you know, the stand-in filmmakers eat the, the poisoned food themselves, knowing that it's poisoned. Maybe they're buying into it. Maybe they're like, yeah. maybe they're like, no, this movie is good. This movie is exactly what I wanted it to be. And then, it's, and then it's poison no, turkey. It's poison. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So there, there's this point, you know, I think it's day two in the life of this tire where I start asking myself these questions about the tire. You know, where is this tire trying to go? Why does it want to kill everything? Where does it get its powers from? And then I, I'm circling back and saying, oh, well, I guess it's no reason because that's the message I've been sold. And I, and I, I couldn't tell if it was smart or if it was an excuse to write a shitty movie. And no one will ever know. No one will know. How many days did this movie take place? Three or four? I was having trouble determining if it was three or four days. You know, I was like, this isn't a movie that really like cares about linear time. Um, although I guess the first day, I, I guess I would track it based on the audience. And so we get two days with the audience before they demand food. I think it's like end of day two. They're like, we need food. They get a turkey. And they get a turkey. And then they're all dead on day three. Mm -hmm. And then it, I think it must be day four because there's only the one audience member left. Watching the, the police try and like send in the mannequin with the dynamite strapped to it to try and blow up the tire. So yeah, it's got to be like at least four days. Yeah. What did you think about the tire turning into a tricycle at the end? 
Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I thought about it. I, I thought maybe it somehow tied into the beginning. In the beginning, we see a car. It's the sheriff. Uh, pulling up and and there's chairs everywhere all over the road for some reason we don't know why but there's chairs everywhere and this this person in this car goes out of the way to hit all the chairs on the way to the camera because the guy gets out of the car and talks to the camera at the end of the movie we see the tricycle going to hollywood i guess to either make a movie or wreak havoc who the fuck knows and this tricycle raises a bunch of tires to come with it so this tricycle surrounded by all of these tires, and I, it kind of reminded me of the beginning with the chair, uh, the chairs mm-hmm. surrounding the car. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't make the connection, and I, I hope you can shed some light on it because I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's a tricycle. I don't know why it's going to Hollywood. I don't know what's going on with all those other tires. I assume there's a war coming. <laughs> what do you think? I was wondering if the tire was just the tire where like the sole of the tire was tied directly to it. Um, or if it was being, you know, possessed, like there was some kind of spirit that was going from, you know, object to object. Um, and with the tire jumping into the quote unquote body of the tricycle, it was like, Oh, this is just kind of like it's spirit can inhabit any, Form. It doesn't have to inhabit this tire, but then this, this tricycle then like builds up its little cult of personality with all of these other tires. And it has some kind of like other tire sympathy because it sees the tire fire and it's like, we must kill all humans, um, which I thought was actually pretty funny when the tire like rolls up and sees the tire fire. In terms of it relating to the chairs at the beginning, I didn't think about that at all. I thought the chairs were really interesting because they're not actually assembled chairs. They're just propped up to look like they're assembled. And when the, the car hits them, they just collapse. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. right. They just like What collapse. is that about? Maybe it's that the movie looks like it has structure, but when you like tap it the right way, like there is no real structure to this movie. I don't know. I feel like you can get very like 3 a.m. college dorm room about this movie. This is um, true. I wonder what this movie would be without that meta level. If, if they weren't talking to us, if there weren't spectators, would this movie make more sense? Would this movie be more enjoyable? I think so, but I think it'd be a very different movie. Like I also think that just like a tire movie where there's a sentient tire that comes to life and goes on a rampage is an excellent like seventies exploitation style movie. Um, where it's just like our antagonists are actually like trying to fight against the tire versus these antagonists that like the police generally feel like they're more like against the spectators than they are against the tire, this whole movie. It doesn't really feel like, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like they're trying to stop the tire until the very end. What did you think about the police officer saying, that this was over, that everything is fine now, we can all go home, because he thought everyone was poisoned and dead. I don't know. I was thinking about it in terms of, he keeps claiming that the situation is not real. He keeps saying that phrase, oh, the situation is not real. And one of the other police officers is like, no, but this lady is dead. 
and all of these other people are dead. The like weird interpretation that my brain latched onto, which I think is not actually relevant to this movie, but something I thought was just interesting was potentially a commentary on, on privilege. This guy who's like, none of this is affecting me and none of this is touching me. Like, look, you can shoot me, but I'm totally fine. And if I'm fine, then that means everyone else must be fine. Like that lady who's, who's like missing her head. No, she's totally fine. Like it didn't hurt me. So she must be fine. And I was like, man, this feels like every time, like, I don't know, a white person talks about affirmative action. I was just like, yeah, you don't see it. Cause like, you're, you're a white, like you're a white dude. Like you think that this like doesn't affect you. So like, it must not affect anyone else. I don't know. So I was just like reading it as like, kind of a comment on privilege, which I don't actually think is what they were going for. I was just like, oh, this is kind of sounds familiar to things I've heard before. Yeah, I I just saw it as something where we were watching the characters who were aware of the meta realize that they didn't have control over the meta anymore. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that was part of it or if that mattered anyway. Um, it just confused me. <laughs> it just confused me and I feel like this movie really leans on that because they're like well we told you that there's no meaning so like we can just have situations that don't make sense and it's totally fine and it's like I don't think that's how it works like I don't know it felt like absurd for the sake of absurdism um it did yeah there was so many weird moments in this movie that just felt really off just not normal um there was the boy going in to get the tire out of the pool with his jeans on (laughs) yeah uh uh-huh his boss kept using the word rubbish I don't want to hear any more of this rubbish nobody says that it was so weird the dialogue was really stilted the like going back to the turkey scene the fact that he like had a turkey in his motel room and like was going to kill the turkey with just like a little knife. And then like, and then they cut away and the food that he's serving to them is like a perfectly cooked like turkey. And it's like, you were in a motel room. How did you cook this turkey? Then the girl, uh, actually uh, the girl is from Better Call Saul. Love that show. Love her. Um, she asks if there's any toast and coffee in the middle of the desert. <laughs> oh, yeah. No girl, there's no toast and coffee here. Um, I love the hitchhiker trying to flag down the, the boy on the bicycle. Why, why are you trying to flag down a cyclist? I know. Where are you going to get with that? <laughs> and then the cops sitting around and asking each other specs about the stupid tire. Like, we all know what a tire looks like. Why are you sitting around talking about it? It's just bizarre. Oh it's a bizarre movie. But, like, the point where the one police officer is like, this is what we're looking for, guys. And he, like, rolls over. <laughs> another tire <laughs> like how do you know it's not this one <laughs> I know it's so good. like there's like some there's like some scenes where it's like only funny in retrospect like while you're watching it you're like what am I watching and yes. then like in retrospect you're like if this was a little bit funnier this movie would have been amazing maybe maybe it's my optimism coming out there's this scene right when the cop realizes that he's no longer in control of what's happening and not everyone's dead because not everyone ate the turkey Mm -hmm. and he pulls a note out of his pocket and it says he reads it out loud as if he hasn't seen it before and he said it says 
Oh God, the kid was right. The killer was a tire. Why is he reading that? Why doesn't he know it's in there? <laughs> and, and why doesn't he just like already know what it says if it's in his pocket? Should we, uh, should we do our final question? Let's do it. Okay. So Kate, is, is this the worst movie you think you've ever seen? No, I don't think so. I think I've seen worse movies. I think I've seen a lot of bad movies, actually. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I feel like most Adam Sandler movies mm, are pretty true. bad. Have you seen that Dana Carvey movie, The Master of Disguise? Oh, my God, no. It's real bad. It's really, oh, yeah? really bad. I remember I was at like a sleepover party when I was somewhere between 11 and 13, I think is, is this time frame. And, um, I remember at the sleepover party, the girl was like, Oh, we have to watch this movie. It's my favorite movie <gasps> of all time. Oh. And I remember being, like I said, like 11, 12 and watching this movie and thinking maybe for the first time ever that, that people could have bad taste. I think that I had like a, like, it like taught me that people can like somehow like something that's really terrible. <laughs> um, and so that's just going to stick with me forever. Do you still talk to that friend? Not at all. No. Oh. <laughs> she sealed her fate. <sighs> it's so bad. What about yeah. you? Worst movie? Uh, well, definitively, because this probably is the worst movie in existence. Uh, <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth is known to be probably the worst movie ever made which is fine I admit that it's one of the worst movies ever made but I still like it and I watch it from time to time um I saw it with my dad when it came out and I remember we both thought oh that's fine that's pretty cool kind of dumb when I went to Blockbuster to buy it <laughs> to buy it oh my god the guy at the checkout was like, oh, don't buy that. It's a terrible movie. Nobody likes this movie. And I was like, oh, I've seen it. I know. <laughs> and I bought it anyway. <laughs> and I don't think I realized how fucking terrible it was until after I bought it and rewatched it. And I was like, oh, man, this movie is really bad. I, it's a bad movie, but I enjoy watching it, I think, because I get a kick out of how bad it is. Oh, I haven't seen it. This ranks up there. This this rubber movie. I, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to compare it to Battlefield Earth. It's a totally different kind of bad. But um I, I do think Battlefield Earth is worse. There's so many, so many bad movies in the world and so little there time. Are. And we wanna know from our audience also what is the worst movie you've ever seen? That's our question of the episode. This is such a softball. Such a softball of a question. Just follow the rules on our Instagram page. All of the details are there as well as on our blog. Um, you answer the question and we'll ship you a free sticker. Like what a good deal. You listen to this shorty little episode and you tell us your, not your least favorite, but the worst movie you've seen, the worst movie you've seen. Um, and then you get something for free. It's a good deal. And you don't even have to watch this terrible movie. You could though. I, would you could. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But it, it might be fun for shits and giggles. 
I'm trying to remember how I felt about this movie when it when I watched it in college when it came out, and I don't remember. Uh, but I do not remember what my reaction was, but I suspect that I was probably like kind of an asshole about it and was like, you just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a college aged person. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And like, and like rewatching it again, I was like, this movie, this movie is so dumb. <laughs> well, I enjoyed watching it for the sake of the podcast and chatting about it with you, Kate. Same. We got to throw one in every once in a while that's not a five-star review. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast. And follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Happy watching.